And the EFF has confirmed its later charge against former Hot 91.9 DJ Sasha Martinenko. He'd referred to EFF leader Julius Malema as a monkey during his show yesterday morning, and it led to his immediate dismissal. Now, based on the feedback we received from you yesterday, there was a massive difference of opinion on whether calling a black person a monkey in South Africa is acceptable or not, based on the country's racial history. Our conversations yesterday showed there's still a lot of work to be done by us as ordinary South Africans in closing the gulf that often exists between us from a racial point of view. Now, normally, we bring in a diversity or race expert to speak to us about how to close this divide. Today, we've decided to take a slightly different approach. We're speaking to award-winning stage performer and playwright Matthew Ribnick, much of whose work, like The Chili Boy, Hoot and Monkey Nuts, have utilized live theater to bridge the race, gender and class divide using humor. Welcome into studio, Matthew. Thanks, Jane. Great to have you with us this evening. Now, some blacklisters told us yesterday that they'd long been fans of Sasha Martinengo throughout his career, but they were hurt by the inference he drew between a black person and a monkey. Other listeners said he was just being silly. The, the comment shouldn't actually be taken seriously. As a playwright who's used humor to reach out to diverse audiences, how do you determine what's funny without being offensive? Well, you've got to be aware of history. You've got to be aware of the racial dynamic where in the country you're operating in, especially if you have a platform, be it a radio DJ, be it a person on the stage, be it a stand-up comedian, be it somebody who talks at conferences. You've got to be aware of the history. You've got to be sensitive. You've got to have empathy. I mean, if you look at the last 400 years since the Industrial Revolution and that the rise of Western Europe, people have been treated in many of the colonies or what what was the colonies as less than human. People have been treated like animals and a clear example is slavery. You see how people were chained and taken across the Atlantic to the Americas and Spike Lee in his movie Get on the Bus argues, you know, he says you see so many movies about atrocities against white people but how many movies have been made about, he claims 90 million black people who died in the slave trade between Africa and the Americas. You can probably count it on on your two hands. And People aren't sensitive enough to that history of the past 400 years since the Industrial Revolution and the rise of Western Europe and how people were treated. And if you're an artist, if you've got a platform, you need to accept that there's a certain responsibility to keep yourself informed, to have that empathy, to have that EQ and to have that sensitivity. Because when I was growing up, I grew up in an area that was quite rural and urban at the same time in Germiston, Boxburg. And um, we used to spend a lot of time on the farms. We used to spend a lot of time jumping over trees and everything. And at school, we would be referred to as the monkeys from Rondebult. Yeah. But that wasn't an issue. I took it as a compliment because I could jump so high. <laughs> but both b- 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 different cultures and different races, it has different, different meanings in that because yeah. of the history, not just in South Africa, in, in a global context as well. And one of your plays deals with a rich white man who loses all his wealth and ends, ends up being a taxi driver. Another deals with a white gangster from Boxburg who's reincarnated as an old Indian woman. What is Other way around, Jay. Is it? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I watched it so many years ago. What is required in order for you to play this range of characters who don't share the same history, traditions, cultures, languages or economic groups? Well, what happens is I think I've been I've been blessed in a certain way in that when I was finished with uh, with school, there was no money to go to university and ended up having to go to the Navy. So I grew up in Boxburg in Germans. Then I grew up surrounded by people who were essentially white and only knew had a white perspective on the world. Ended up on a ship in the Navy, surrounded by people of different races. Many people from the Cape Flats, colored people, people from, uh, from Durban, Indian people. Many ex-Mkontoises were people who were being integrated into the Navy. Oh. Now, when you're in the Navy, you live in very close confines. Yes. And, and you spend a lot of time out at sea. And you have these intense conversations. And I realized that 
what I had known, what I had learned as a young person, a lot of it was wrong. A lot of it wasn't true through interacting with people of other races. So one of the big debates last year, and it's a raging debate, is about Black Lives Matter. And the, the common white response or many white response say, but all lives matter. And the reality is, if you look at the history of the world and, and the world over the past 400 years especially, is that if you truly look at it, black lives haven't mattered as much as other lives. And, and so it's easy to say all lives matter. That is quite an ignorant, ignorant response. If you look at like black lives haven't mattered. And that if you look at slavery, if you look at apartheid, if you look at colonialism. So black lives matter, you should actually be saying black lives matter too. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, 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 and people uh, who, who aren't black tend to get their back up against the wall with something like that. But it's, it's to understand, to have that empathy, to try to understand other people's perspectives. And one of the arguments is many white people, not all, many white people need to spend some time in black spaces, need to spend some time with people of color where they're not in charge. I think if you go to a mall, for example, it's still a white space. You don't get looked on with suspicion necessarily if you're a white person. If you're another person, you're not perhaps dressed properly in that, you're a person of color in that, you do something strange, people might look at you a little bit differently. So we need to spend white people, especially to spend time in black spaces. But, but that's been a problem, Matthew, and, and, and that comes out of the work that experts like Terry Oakley-Smith are doing, that, that we do not socialize with each other across races and across class lines. Absolutely. How do we change that? That, that is, that, there lies the rub. That is, that is a big problem. I mean, for me, for example, um, I was forced. I was forced to, to interact, basically. Yes. I, I, I caught taxis for 10 years of my life, minibus taxis, sometimes up seven to eight different taxis a day yes. to get to where I was going. And um, I only got a license when I was 26 years old. I only could afford a car when I was 30 years old. But those 10 years of catching minibus taxis gave me a very different perspective on South Africa. And so we created this play called Hoot, based on my experiences, what I had seen on the taxis over those years. And my wife's very good at actually compiling it into the form of a play. She actually wrote the play. Mm -hmm. I told the stories. Yes. And people would come out of the play and say, especially white people, and say, now when I'm behind a taxi, I have a lot more patience. You know, now when I'm behind a taxi, I understand what that taxi driver is going through. I understand the dynamic. I understand that I'm one person in one car. That is one car carrying 18 people. That car is more important to the economy than me, one person in one car. So it's trying to get people to see the world from that different perspective. And I believe your perspective should constantly be evolving. And many of us, and I'm guilty sometimes, my perspective isn't evolving enough mm. or at the right pace. Yes, but, but that's a scary thing. I mean, you speak about that perception shifting in the company of, of people with different life experiences to yours. But firstly, you've got to be open to that. You have to be pre prepped to receive some of the emotion that goes with that, whether it's delight or trauma or pain. And I imagine for most people, that's scary. It's scary to, safe, uh, to step out of a safe space that you know and step into that world that seems somehow dangerous and removed from yours. I think it's absolutely scary. I mean, for example, um, I wanted to take my, my child on a, on a ride in a minibus taxi. I wanted him to experience that. Yes. And the concern for my wife was, is, but Matthew, you know sometimes these taxis aren't safe. What if yes. there's an accident? Which is so, a legitimate concern. Exactly. Yes. So, um, but for many people, that's the reality. They don't have money. And yes. that's so they, they, they don't have a car. So they have to catch taxis. So there is that fear. There is that absolute fear. But it's also getting down to bothering to listen. And I've realized uh, when it comes to EQ, listening is a very important thing. And I'm a bad listener. Sometimes we need to sit back and listen. Mm. 
mm-hmm. not just try to impose our opinion or, or in terms of a men with women, try to mansplain or to whitesplain things. Mm-hmm. We need to actually listen to people of different backgrounds and different cultures and, 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 and different sexualities and different genders to actually let them speak. And we must just maybe shut the hell up and listen for a change. You know, I want to ask you about this because many people would listen to this interview and say perhaps you're speaking from the, the perspective of a playwright who has to do this. This is your daily work. You've got to get into the shoes, the life experiences of other people. You've got to walk a mile in those shoes in order to understand your characters. This is outside of what most people should be expected to do. Or can these these experiences you speak of be transplanted into ordinary South Africans' lives? And, and could they become useful in those lives? I think I think it's to ask questions if you're unsure. I mean... <laughs> Interesting story. I, I was working with a black colleague uh, or, or, or on a video and he, he said to me one day, he said, he, he was asking me an awkward question, which I won't repeat here, which he was too scared to ask other white people and that. Yes. But it was a very important question about white people that, that, that I was able, that, that I was able to answer for him. It's if you have a question, ask it, but be sensitive in how you ask it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're not, we, we're too scared to ask questions. We're too, sc- I'm not saying we're too scared to interact, but, um, it's about, People go from their diverse work environments. We've had diverse work environments, but they go home to their same race experience. Homogenous. Exactly. They're surrounded by people with the same perspective, Mm -hmm. the same religion. Uh, They go out with people of the same race, the same religion, and and they don't interact with that enough to, with people who are different to them. Very interesting talking to you, Matthew. And uh, just one last last question. I mean, th- this has been quite a racially divisive uh, uh, event that took place yesterday in terms of Sasha Martinengo's statement. Uh, the, the feedback from, from our listeners, uh, we see how racially divided the country is. And we know that we are far behind. There's a massive backlog in terms of real reconciliation and social cohesion. If we have to do one thing today to change that as South Africans, what could it be? I would say the listening aspect, the empathy aspect. Um, I would say it's it, it's a question of walking in other people's shoes mm-hmm. and it's a question of broadening your perspective, realizing that w- lots of the time we want to see only what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And what we want to see makes our ego happy, our sense of self-importance. We've got to get out of that and actually ask the uncomfortable questions and question ourselves and be constantly critical of ourselves, which we aren't. Thank you so much for those lovely thoughts uh, and thank you for sharing them with us this afternoon. Award-winning playwright and stage performer Matthew Ripnick.